Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. Oh boy, give the drummer some. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And since I was the drummer in Fanny, you all should know that I'm Alice DeBure. Yes, you are. And I'm Dr. Kristen Hilaire Glasgow, historian by training. But for this context, I'm also the daughter of Fanny's manager, Roy Silver, which means I have known the band members since I was three years old and was lucky enough to watch you rehearse and tour with you. Just a little toddler, a little golden haired toddler. And I'm your old Uncle Byron who drags out his Fanny albums <laughs> from 1971 and plays them at parties, you know. I also do the website, so there you go. Hello, everybody. And you definitely do the website. You have been a major help in keeping the Fanny name alive long enough for us to get to this crazy place, you know. <laughs> crazy place called a podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And speaking of, on this episode, we're going to be playing and discussing Back in My Arms, which we did listen to on the last episode as a bit of a love song to June. Uh But this time we're going to listen to it in breaks and just dissect it a little bit more. And -hmm. just for the people that don't know, this is from the Real Gone CD of Mother's Pride. It's not on the original vinyl. Correct. And part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this song on this episode is a few episodes ago, we had talked about Addie Lee, Mm -hmm. who was Mm -hmm. an early part of Fanny. And so this time we're going to be talking talking about Brie mm-hmm. Howard, Brie yep. Brandt, Brie Darling, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> At one point of time. Yeah. At one point of time. And then we're also going to be listening to Nikki's Cat Fever off of Charity oh, yeah. Ball. <laughs> so right. it should be fun. And we're also going to be talking about that unnamed female secretary. You mean the one that I had a tiny little tirade about? Yeah, exactly. You may have have mentioned it, Kristen. Yeah, Yeah, I think so once or twice. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll, we'll readdress that in a little while. Yes, we will. um, We do have some March birthdays um, in our bakery. And Mm -hmm. Jean's son, Lee John, has a birthday in March, as well as Linda Wolf, who was... um, Basically, our official, you know, our first photographer who lived with us at Fanny Hill. And we've, you know, we've talked about Linda in episode 20, if you want to get caught up on some of those memories. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't have a anniversary that I know about. So if anyone out there is celebrating their anniversary, happy anniversary and happy birthday to you. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Happy anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Starting with Back in My Arms, mm-hmm. we thought it was a perfect song to uh, lay the track for our discussion about Brie Brandt originally, now mm-hmm. Brie Darling, because mm-hmm. like Addie Lee, Brie was an early part of Fanny. And we picked the song, even though Brie never recorded with Fanny. The mm-hmm. Motown connection is really perfect because in the Svelts, which she was in, um, mm-hmm. they, we did a lot of Motown songs. Mm-hmm. And she would have played this song during her time with the Svelts. And okay. so time-wise, we're talking when Brie came to live with you, though, at Fanny Hill with Brandy. Mm-hmm. We're talking yeah. 1969, 1970? Um, it was either late 69 or 70. 
um, when Bree and her little toddler, Brandy, whom we called Pumpkin, mm -hmm. they moved to L.A. and they moved into Fanny Hill with us. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't remember Bree as ever being in the band officially um, mm -hmm. because those were really, you know, hippy-dippy days, you know. <laughs> and we were rehearsing day and night trying to get our act together. And since she was living with us and a musician herself, she joined in on the rehearsals, whether it was okay. singing or playing percussion. But by this time, when Brie was there with us at Fanny Hill, Fanny was signed to reprise and it was Nikki, June, Jean, and me. From Motown to rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, you know, at Fanny Hill in the early 70s, late 69, 70, we mm -hmm. were working on songs for the first album because we'd found Nikki. So we had started to include her songs and we were working mm -hmm. those out and we were figuring out which songs we were going to have her overdub keyboards on, mm -hmm. you know, just getting that first album kind of really wrapped up. Mm -hmm. So... Bree's participation in the band would have been really, really short-lived. And Alice, am I remembering correctly that once my dad became Fanny's manager, he and Richard wanted to make it a four-piece band? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I think that we really understood that direction from your dad, Roy, um, the, the way he wanted to take us or the place he wanted to take us, Kristen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since Bree hung out with us in uh, at the house and played with us rehearsal for rehearsals, we tried to find a place for her. So we were trying to make it a five-piece band. You know, we thought that maybe we could do that. So we put together this, uh, it's a, I guess, a showcase, if you will, hmm. at Fanny Hill um, to present Fanny as five members instead of four. So we're down in the rehearsal studio, rehearsal room mm -hmm. in the basement, actually. And, you know, egg cartons on the wall trying to soundproof <laughs> it, you know, like you did back in the day. <laughs> but so we did the presentation and Richard and Roy and Mark Hammerman, who was Roy's assistant, were there. And after we played a couple songs for them as five, your dad and Richard just felt that, you know, it didn't work as five members. And we wanted to record, so we agreed. You know, we mm -hmm. wanted to record and tour and, and have that shot at it, you know, mm -hmm. and that whole ball of wax. And June and Jean have really, really similar memories. 
because we were so relieved to finally, I mean, we were ordered to make it for, for girls, for women. So it would be like the Beatles. I mean, finally, uh, you know, word came down from uh, management and Richard Perry. And in a way, that was a weird relief because we were trying so much stuff out and we were getting lost in it. And finally he, yeah, it was he and Mark who had a meeting with us down in, in the basement of Fanny Hill on a rehearsal space. I remember that specifically. And they just said, boy, if you do not pare it down to just the four of you, we're going to drop you. We're just not going to work with you anymore. And like, you know, the realization that maybe we wouldn't record, that was too much for us. We just went, okay, you know, uh, we couldn't really argue with that. And, you know, in a way, you can say it was the right thing, because when we got to work, we, it really produced results. When we were working with Bree, it was what vocal fits where, how do you, mm -hmm. what percussion is she going to play, you know, all the different parts of what, what can we fit in, because they're trying to make space for everybody, including mm -hmm. that fifth person. So mm -hmm. I see what June is saying. Once that was eliminated, we could really just get down to business. And just to clarify, when June said he, she's referring to my dad. Oh, yeah. And uh -huh. I, I did want to clarify something that I did know um, about my dad. I wasn't sure if it was Richard or my dad who had you pare it down or just Richard. But I do remember in terms of my dad managing you and seeing the vision of Fanny. Yeah. Again, I've said this before. My dad was really into first. So Fanny right. being the first all-female rock and roll band, if you were going to emulate a band, who would you want them to be like? Well, the greatest band on the planet at that time were the sure. Beatles. Right. Right. And right. and also Richard really saw you as true musicians. Yes. Each playing your own instrument. Yes. And so I think it makes sense that Brie, if she was doing percussion and maybe a little bit of vocals, that took away from the musicianship or the seriousness of it, if you will. I think maybe it took away, if it took away anything, um, it took away the picture that they maybe had in their heads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Richard and your dad, you know, mm -hmm. that four piece that maybe the five piece was just too much for them. But I have to be honest here. And yeah. when Brie was playing with us, I've never said I don't think I've said this to very many people, if anybody at all. Um, it made me nervous, you hmm. know, because I thought that the band or Richard would want to replace me, you know, putting Brie mm. on drums to take advantage of her vocals. She okay, could sing and play drums, and I was just a sing. I was I. I was just a singer. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was not a singer. I was just a drummer. But that's probably you know my insecurity <laughs> from the time showing. But I could see that though. I can understand that. I yeah. can see that too. However, I so staunchly disagree with you. I see you as a singer. Yeah, solid you are gold. a singer. Yeah, solid gold is uh, really a great a, a drunk vocal singer. Term. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> drunk. Thank that you, was, Byron. Sure. <laughs> well, well, I see you as a drunk, singer hey, and a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm currently reading Richard Perry's new memoir called Cloud yes. Nine. And I was really surprised to learn that he was a drummer starting from the age of 10 yeah. and a real oh, serious wow. drummer. Wow. And he often tuned the drums of the artists that he was recording. And therefore, there. what? say that again. <laughs> I said sneaking in there. Sneaking in there before <laughs> the artists arrived. Yeah. Well, because he, what he was saying in the book is that he felt that the drums were key to a good track mm -hmm. you could replace anything over that, that but the sound and the miking and the tuning okay. so yeah. i really think it speaks to your talent alice mm -hmm. that he recognized your drumming because oh. that's his forte 
Hmm. So I say, you know, he made the right decision. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) my question for you, Alice, is um, when you say about your memory with Brie, were you concerned that June and Jean were going to pick Brie because of their longtime friendship with her? Um, I'm not sure exactly why I was insecure about my drumming because I was so comfortable on the drums. And Mm -hmm. I'd never even heard Brie play. You know, so I don't know what, okay, well, she can sing and she can play drums. I had been told, but I didn't see her play drums, you know, Hmm. but Hmm. the, the history that they shared, Kristen, um, Hmm. no, that was, I wouldn't think that that was, matter of fact, I know it was not really a concern to me, you know, Hmm. it was more the possible addition of her vocals. You know, I had felt that Fanny's vocals were kind of weak back in the day, but listening now, you know, I hear how strong the vocals were. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I was really relieved when it was finally pared down to four. wasn't really until 2017 when I reconnected with Brie for the first time since Fanny Hill that I found out that she never knew why she was let go and she considered it being fired, you know? And I said, Hmm. I, I don't know. I know it doesn't feel like fired or let go to me. It's because I didn't feel like she was ever really officially a part of the band. You know, Mm -hmm. I just remember that once it was four members, um, it wasn't long before Brie and Brandy moved out of Fanny Hill. Well, she may not have been an official, with air quotes, Fanny member at that time, Mm -hmm. but she was and will always be a part of the Fanny legacy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's not feel sorry for (laughs) Brie. She's an amazing woman who went on to have and continues to have a phenomenal career. Yeah, 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 she did, Kristen. And if you look at it, you stand back and you look at it objectively, Mm -hmm. her career was probably bigger and longer than Fanny. You know, she was in that all-female band, American Girls, and I think they did one, if not two, albums. Mm -hmm. And she acted in one or two movies, and she was like, one of the major backup singers for Carol King. Wow. And a, and a little rock and roll trivia she shared with me is uh, she sang uh, backup on an ELL song on their Discovery album in 79. Uh, but it was uh, the 1982 cult classic film Android that I used to watch on HBO back in the day that I knew her from. And so, <laughs> really? you know, yeah. And But up until a few years ago, I had no idea she had a connection to Fanny. So I just oh. knew her from the film. You wow. know, because I'm, I'm a sci-fi geek and all this. So I knew her from that stuff. So you it was are a geek. Cool. Yes, I am. You are a geek. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and it's a terrible film, but it's a it's one of those great, it's so bad it's great. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it's just cool to have another person that has a tie to, to Fanny now. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and after you, Alice and June left Fanny, uh-huh. Bree came in to play drums on the fifth Fanny album, which was on Casablanca Records called right. Rock and Roll Survivors. And if you look on the back of that album, you will see that Brandy and I are thanked together. Yeah, <laughs> it was so exciting to see my name in print. I will never forget that. Yeah. And also, don't forget that Bree sang the iconic backup vocals on Robbie Neville's "Say La Vie." Mm. Yeah, her hitting those That's notes, right. oh. and she also is in the video playing percussion on his video. And I mean, she's really just a true rock star. She's uber talented across the spectrum, including being a real artist in terms of you know she even makes gorgeous cakes. She she did <laughs> she did the, she did the um, album artwork for Fanny Walk the Earth. That's right. Oh, that's that's right. right. Which also that's of course the point is she recently with June and Jean off mm-hmm. of Il- Blue Elan Records released Fanny Walk the Earth. Right. And, and the idea Yeah, and mm-hmm. she did uh it, that's when we connect re- we reconnected in 2017. She was inviting me to come in and uh, overdub a drum track on the song That's Walk right. the Earth, you know. So she may not have been an official Fanny member, member at the time, but she will, Kristen, always be a part of the Fanny legacy. Fade and repeat drumming, you know. No, you find you you find a good riff, you know. It's That's it's, right. it's just, a good groove, and just sit on it and ride it yep. as long as you can. Yeah. For God's <laughs> sakes. God, I can't believe that's what she said. <laughs> uh, sorry. That was Are we just... done yet, Richard? Okay, fade it out. <laughs> You know, Kristen, uh, with your little revelation there that Richard Perry played drums, mm-hmm. this to me explains a lot about his productions being based around the drums. This is actually, Doesn't uh, it? If, yeah, it fits so well into, particularly with his Carly Simon's No Secret album and some of the uh, more rock and Nielsen tunes. It's like the drums are really the, the core of it. And it's like, that explains so much. It's pretty cool. Makes that sense. That is really yeah. cool. Yep. 
I was glad to learn it too. But anyway, the last time we started to talk, uh, we played this song, you told me to hold my questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we are and I get to ask my questions. Oh boy. And, uh, so I've got three actually. So first is, you know, who sang the vocals because it's hard. To, uh, and also how did you determine who sang what songs? So uh -huh. I guess that's a fourth question, but, and do I hear Gene playing a fuzz bass and oh, wait for it. Is that cowbell? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely Nikki adding in vocals at the end of the song. You can oh, tell yeah. that. Oh, yeah. oh, um, yeah. But in terms of the, the first question about vocals, Byron, let's let Jean answer that for you. And listen to it now. I'm pretty impressed with our, our rendition of the song. I can't believe we changed it. It's, uh, we really changed the arrangements a lot. You know, it, it doesn't quite resemble the original, which I'm really proud of. We were able to do it in our own style. And the thing that we changed the vocal enough, and the thing is about the, with about the vocal, we shared the vocal. And yeah. I was so impressed with how we all hit the notes in exactly the same way. Uh, you so know, all of you singing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, and that's the thing. It was every, except for me. Hmm. Uh, I would sing live. But mm -hmm. on this song, you asked, how did you, you also, your question was, how did you yeah. decide to do vocals? Mm -hmm. to, who, who, who would sing the vocal? And yeah. Jeannie didn't answer that. But um, sometimes Richard did have some input. And sometimes it was just the three, June, Gene, and Nikki figuring it out. Um, okay. But on a song like this, all three of them sang. Okay. Yeah, it was in, yeah. in unison. Mm -hmm. And to answer your question about the fuzz bass, Byron, here's what Jean and June had to say. I'm certain it's a, from June. I do not remember playing a fuzz bass at all on this song. I think I would remember, I was very sparing in using uh, gadgets on recordings for me. So I'm sure it's June. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's it's about where it comes in. It's not just the fact that you were or weren't playing fuzz bass, and I'm sure I added more dirt on my guitar, but it's the part. It's where it's come in. It's just so uh, it's so effective. Okay, yeah, you know, it is yeah. a it, you know dirty bass and or a dirty guitar and bass sometimes can be you know pretty similar. So I'm glad they cleared that up for us because yeah. and now. Let's yeah, find mm -hmm. out about the cowbells. <laughs> from this song I think from you'll June. be surprised by this answer. <laughs> yeah, one of my brothers, I think it was Steve. We flew them over to London in the summer of 73 to spend some time with us and to experience that life on the road. And my brother Steve said, yeah, don't you remember? You put us down the hall. We couldn't even see you. And me and Jim played uh, tambourine and cowbell. I'm like, what? Really? I'm so <laughs> glad to know that because now I know where we even recorded it. I don't remember one thing about recording that song. And let me tell you, that is a tough and clever arrangement. I mean, you know, people that try to put Fanny down, try to play that song and, and, and pull all those little pieces off. You can't do it. I, I know you cannot do it. This is a Fanny you know, inspired document, musical document. So yep. yet another uncredited musician. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I didn't play with you guys. I would never get album credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember June's brothers, June and Jeannie's brothers being there. Um, but I don't remember them playing percussion. The memory that keeps tickling me in the back of my brain um, was that this song was recorded 
around the same time or at the same time that we did Summer Song at Olympic with the Johns Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it wasn't with Todd. Uh, it has more of a Richard feel to it mm-hmm. in the production. Um, so I think we did it at Olympic uh, the same time we did Summer Song that then went on uh, the Mother's Pride album. Well, you know yeah. what I love about how Fanny covers Motown? Yeah. Is I loved, for example, I mean, it's it, so the Supremes, the backup vocals were ooze, very Ooh. demure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Whereas Fanny just absolutely grabs you and says, yeah, yeah, you know, I got you back in my arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. It's so cool. I mean, really, I love that that trans- little subtle. Actually, it's not so subtle. Yeah, not so <laughs> subtle, but it's a good not change. So yeah. So so Alice, at this point, um, Brie is gone. Right. Yep. I want to kind of get back to the story here. It's 1970. Right. So we're going back in time a little bit. Brie is gone. You're officially recording the first album as Fanny with Nikki, Jean, June, and you. Mm-hmm. Richard Perry is your producer. My dad, Roy Silver, is your manager. And right. you're all ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. And a couple of episodes ago, as we talked about, <laughs> in my just itty bitty tiny tirade. <laughs> that was that was just so not itty bitty. <laughs> all right. Another in your face. It was not subtle at all. Yeah. Um, the unnamed female secretary, who I believe was really responsible for discovering Fanny. Right. And just to clarify, the reason why we called her the unnamed female secretary is in June's book, Land of a Thousand Bridges, she referred to Norma as Norma Goldstein. But right. Alice, you had always remembered Norma as Norma Kemper. Right. So we didn't want to say anything without backing it up with evidence because we don't speculate here on the Get Behind Fanny <laughs> podcast. We have an in-house historian who will not <laughs> let us. Doctor historian. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so that's why when we said mystery solved, kind of, sort of, you'll know that we have as much evidence as we can share and are still working on things behind the scenes. Yeah, but in this case, we mm-hmm. do get to take out the kind of sorta. Yep. And we get to say mystery solved. Mm-hmm. You know, and I only know the name Kemper not Goldstein like you said, Kristen, because mm-hmm. Norma went on to have a really decent career in A&R uh, at, in the record industry around the same time that I was at A&M Records. And mm-hmm. she had married Dave Kemper, who was a really well-known studio drummer and mm-hmm. played actually on my favorite album of all time, that Joan Armitrading album, Love and Affection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great album. Great oh, album. Gosh. And yeah. for those that don't know, we've said it before, but A&R in the industry means artists and repertoire. That's what an A&R person does. She just happened at the time to be a secretary, but she moved up the ranks. And <laughs> Alice, you recently had an email exchange with her just to right. verify Goldstein and Kemper. Yep. And she has been kind enough to let us read it. So I want to read it to you. She says, quote, hi, Alice. I'm always pleased to hear from all my ladies. You hold a special place in my life. And yes, I did go to see you play at the Troubadour. There had been a lot of talk about the group. I'd heard good things from a few people. So when Richard asked me to go check you all out, I gladly went in his place. By the way, Mm -hmm. he'd heard from you about you from different people than I had. Mm -hmm. I was so excited after hearing the band play that I ran to the payphone by the back door, (laughs) the one that some guy had been on for a while. And I called Richard. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> and I called Richard, she writes, who I think was sleeping at the time and told him he had to come down and meet you all. He was so tired from the schedule he'd been keeping that he asked that I talk to you and see if you'd be willing to go to Wally Hyder's the next day to record some songs for Richard to hear. Richard trusted me enough to have me book some studio time. I believe you had plans, she writes, to leave town that night or the following day, but you postponed leaving to go into the studio for us close quote. So mm-hmm. Alice, my mm-hmm. first question is, why were you leaving? Where were you going? Well, we were going home. We we're going back up to San Jose. Why? why? Well, we hadn't gotten a recording contract and that's why we came. Well, mm. then <laughs> yeah. Nor- Nor- Norma's closing line in the email takes on even more meaning because she writes, quote, I think the planets were aligned in your favor that night. Or I'd just say, in all caps, you were just that damn good. Nikki's in the beginning when she goes, ha, yeah. So, <laughs> it's so James Brown. I love it. So Alice, let's get back to the story because this is all new to me now that you were about to leave town. Right. What happened? Well, we were, we were staying at the Tropicana Motel, which was a two or three story motor inn, pretty mm-hmm. sleazy where, you know, a lot of musicians stayed because it's right in the heart of West Hollywood. Um, and it's, covers it's it's surrounded like a horseshoe duke's cafe which was Uh, the breakfast place they had breakfast place yeah yeah every all the musicians ate there and you could get a really good breakfast for almost no money which was really good but for musicians right (laughs) yeah good for musicians it was also the hangover place to get breakfast Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, exactly oh yeah and you know we had said that if we weren't gonna if we didn't make it if we didn't get a recording contract we were going to leave. So we didn't get a contract and we were heading home. We were packing up our bus, which was this fantastic 1947 GM retired municipal bus that you had to double clutch. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) we had all the equipment from the back door back and then mattresses on the floor. So it was kind of a self-contained minus kitchen and bathroom, uh, touring bus for us that we had been, touring from San Francisco up to the Northwest and stuff. Uh, But the phone rang and June remembers that it was Norma asking us to meet Richard at Wally Hyder's recording studio. 
Well, wow. so I mean, just that close. That close. Oh man, that's yeah. incredible. And and just to state the obvious here, phones in what 1969, <laughs> right? These are heavy phones. There is oh, yeah. no such thing as an answering machine, no. right? Or any kind of forwarding or having somebody take your message. No, yeah, that just no really wasn't happening at that hotel. Not oh, a drop for Hannah. Yeah. No, and so really, Byron, it was that wow. close, like you were saying. Yeah. You know, and Norma wrote again in the email, she said, quote, I think I was the lucky one that got to see them first that evening. There was a lot of conversation going on about them as well. Close quote. Yeah. And that's what we would call in the industry buzz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet, Alice, with all that buzz, you guys were packing up and leaving LA. Well, we didn't know there was a buzz. <laughs> There wasn't any internet to see, oh, oh yeah. new girl band in L.A., yeah. you know, check them out. You're trending. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All these years, you know, I thought it, that Richard was the only one that was even interested in us. Wow. Um, well, thank you, Norma Goldstein Kemper, yep. for giving us this history of Fanny and how cool that we were able to flesh this out and discover more things about Fanny's journey. Just incredible. Yep. So I love it. I love that she saw your talent. I love that Richard recognized her talent and the fate of Fanny was underway. <laughs> Straight ahead, rock and roll. Love it. You guys are just absolutely rocking the song. I love it so much. And Byron, didn't you tell me that Cap Fever is Nikki's all-time favorite Fanny song? Oh yeah. She uh whenever she talks about it, you can just see there's an excitement and energy in her voice. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and you can tell she's damn proud of it. And and you know, rightfully so. As she should be, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if you watch the performance of Cat Fever on the Dick Cavett TV show clip that we have on the Fanny's website, uh, you'll see that she's really digging this tune. And 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 she even uh, talks. Uh, get you guys get to play Cat Fever at the end of the live seventy in seventy two CD, and she goes here. You know, here's some rock and roll and all that. So yeah, she's into the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's real similar to me um, in that Nikki rock and roll uh, genre, if you will, um, to borrow time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that borrowed time, the lyrics are kind of similar. Anyway, it's about, you know, the fragility of male egos. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that Nikki sarcasm, you know, I can't see cat fever any other way as paired with borrowed time. I can see that in terms of her, who she's aiming, right? Her poison at, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I love this song. I love Borrowed Time. For those that don't know, it's our, the intro of this podcast. Um, but I've always seen Cat Fever as a total and scathing put down about the, as you use the word, uh, Alice, fragile egos of men in the record industry. <laughs> and I would liken it to, uh, to uh, excuse me. And I would broaden it to not just be male rockers. I would say male execs, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the song, too, Kristen. I love the way it's put together. You know, the beginning with the keyboards, and then Mm. June comes in, and then I come in, and then Jeannie comes in. It's so layered Mm. in the arrangement that it finally then hits you with all four of us. Bam. Mm. You know, I love that. I I really love it too. And Byron, when you were saying how mm-hmm. Nikki gets a sense of excitement about this song, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Alice, do you remember 
hearing Nikki play the opening of that song as she was sharing it with Fanny to possibly work out? Or, I mean, do you remember that moment? I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, but when Nikki played that, I was thinking, oh, rock and roll, you know, but she would bring, Nikki always brought pretty much finished songs. Mm. She would, Mm. she didn't bring, oh, I have this idea. Let's work on it. It was, I've got this song. Let me play it for you. You know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. I remember the keyboard like it was yesterday, that opening. Yeah. It, I got so excited about it, you know. Well, what you want, can yeah. imagine. It's just such a damn good rock and roll song, and it was a Fanny original, our own song, right. our own rocker. You know, I knew I was going to have a blast playing it, and I certainly did. Oh, you can feel that all of you had a blast playing it. Yeah, you absolutely can. So I'm curious. Do you know what she meant by the title "Cat Fever"? If it's about the fragile male ego, and if so, how? Um, no, and I would be putting words in her mouth if I tried to describe it. But for me, I look at it as you know when you get when a when a cat scratches you, and its fingernails aren't clean, you get infected and it burns. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's the burn of this song and the burn that she's giving to all of the male egos who had no business being in the business. You know, <laughs> I mean, to me, she's pissed because. You know, you could be as shallow as a puddle, and as long as you looked good, you know, it's whether you shine your shoes. For all of you out there listening, uh, we are lucky enough to get to see each other when we mm-hmm. record these oh, yeah. podcasts. And Byron, how cool is it that we get to watch Alice play air drums oh, to her own drumming? I know. Where's me out? <laughs> Where's me out too? Where's me out too? I hate to tell you. But I love Nikki's keyboards on that solo. They're so oh. hot. Oh, yeah. June's oh, yeah. guitar is wailing. Gene is rocking yeah. that bass line. Man, what a great rock and roll song. What a great really rock is. and roll song. And my drum part, it, it's just straight ahead rock, you know, it's yeah. driving. And that's what the it drums, is. that's what they needed. The drums just needed to get in the driver's seat, 
that old 47 GM and I never got out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Double clutch, so baby. Byron, here we go. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Byron, yes. you've been listening to this song, Cat Fever, since you were, what, 14 and a half? 14, 15? yeah, 14 or 15. Yeah. yeah. And so. Uh, Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. Well, this song for me comes on the heels of the scorching opener of Charity Ball and then mm-hmm. followed by the equally funky What Kind of Lover. And yep. so for a person like me who's more into music than lyrics, I was just digging the fact that this album was still cranking at 11 at this point, you know, just like, give me some <laughs> yeah. rock, you know, you know, screw those damn ballads, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're rocking, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, he, and even here on the podcast, it's still cranking at 11. Oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. really yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It really is. Well, Cat Fever is and was so much fun and back in my arms again uh they bring back so many memories and it's really a blast to share them with everybody i loved listening to both songs today yeah uh, you know but Kristen, that was fun yes yeah uh i think it's time we think about the next episode so what's percolating well, percolating for episode 24, I think we're going to continue the conversation of early Fanny and Richard Perry and okay. talk about, and we're going to listen to another Fanny cover called Nowhere to Run. Mm-hmm. I'm sure all of you know that, which was another Motown song. Yep. And then we're also going to be listening to a second Fanny cover of It Takes a Lot of Good Lovin', mm-hmm. which cool. was a cover by Judy Clay on Stax Records. So we're also going to be talking a little bit about the difference between Motown mm-hmm. and Stax. Cool. So it, I think it'll be a really fun conversation. Uh-huh. And we also have a, another mystery solved Uh-oh. that we are going to be revealing on the next podcast. You bet. So you bet. You'll have to wait and join us again. But Byron, why don't you give everybody the social media? Sure. You can find Fanny all over this newfangled thing called the internet. <laughs> 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 and on Twitter, you can find us at rock scores under Fanny. Uh, excuse me, rocks underscore Fanny. Sure, I can say it. Over on Instagram at Fanny rocks underscore 1970. On Facebook, Facebook just as Fanny Rock Band and on YouTube find us at Fanny Rocks and drop by the official Fanny website at fannyrocks.com and we can also use these fancy dancy little hashtags ask Alice, June Jams, Jean Genie and Nikki Notes to ask questions or make comments. Okay, fancy dancy is now like my new favorite <laughs> phrase because I've never heard that before and I love it. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, that's like a I've heard fancy schmancy. Fancy But I've oh, never heard fancy dancy. Fancy dancy. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think it's great. And please continue to write us at the Fanny Rocks website oh, yeah. under the podcast. We'd love your questions and comments. Reach out to us and for um, us to get back to you a little quicker, always check the notification button. Because <laughs> we yeah. we get notices when you write to us, so please do. But for now, Byron, mm-hmm. Alice, yes. that's a wrap. Hit it. Uh-huh.